Well, Happy New Year, and just great to see everyone this morning. You know, uh, the advantage I have being born at the end of a decade, which I was born at the end of 1959. I know it's a shocker, but I was. And being born at the end of a decade means when you start a new decade, everyone else starts a new decade. So it's kind of a cool thing. You know, last Sunday, I ended the decade on a Sunday. I got to do what some of you like to do on a Sunday, which is decide not to go to church. Uh, (laughs) Did I say that out loud? I said that out loud. I was just thinking it, and it all came out. But no, really. uh, I I told Jan, I said, it's kind of funny. I said, you know, you're looking at on Thursday or Friday, because I've been in the ministry for 27 years, and or maybe longer now, I guess, 28 years, uh, 27, 28 years. And, you know, for our family, when it came to Thursday and Friday, we were not thinking about what we're going to do this weekend. We knew what we were going to do. There was not like an option. You didn't just go, well, I think we're going to go do that this weekend. We decided on Thursday to go camping. We just didn't do that. Or get up Sunday morning and go, you know, it's too beautiful. The weather's so beautiful. I'm going to go hiking. Last Sunday, I did. It was pretty awesome. I also found out where everybody else was. They're out hiking too. (laughs) That's where they are. I don't know if there's a picture. I don't know if we have the picture or not of last Sunday. We don't have it. Oh, come on. It's a beautiful picture. It's a beautiful picture. I I, 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 uh, hiked Piestua and took a picture. I sent it to my family of a saguaro cactus and the snow in the background and snow caps all around. It was gorgeous. It was a time of worship. And it really was, by myself and all the other Clemson or Ohio State people, uh, all out there. It was awesome. Yeah, all right. Uh-huh. Yeah, they can go home. Yeah, but anyway, uh, have you ever been driving on, on, on a, on a if, well, you may not be like me. I, I drive, try to get back home towards the East Valley, Central, you know, Southern, South Phoenix, but start going towards the East Valley in the winter, and you just get on 51, it's like, bam, it stopped. And you just want to yell, there it is. You can see the snow cap, but one of the things I yell a lot is going, you people go home, just go home. Anyway, so that's a whole different prayer I need to be working on. (laughs) Starting a new decade. We tried to start first hour this morning, and I think the way that we probably should is in prayer. And I just wanted to share with you just just kind of a encouragement is over the next three weeks in our first hour, which is 9.15 to 10.15, if you could make it, it would be awesome. One of the things we're going to be doing, uh, the main thing we'll be doing for the month of January is connecting and community and core engagement. And we want to do that, you know, a few weeks ago, probably six weeks ago or so, and I think it was in November, we did our dinner on the grounds, which we do. Almost everybody stayed. It was awesome. Then we did uh, iGen groups, our intergenerational groups. Almost everybody stayed. It was awesome. And we just believe that there is something about that community, that there's a hunger there, and you may not even know it till you show up. You know, I don't know about you, I've got five siblings, uh, but I got, when I go back, they all live in northeast Texas or southwest Arkansas, and when I go back with them, you know, I go I, way longer than I need to sometimes calling them and just touching base with them, but when I'm with them, I realize how much I miss them. It's not when I'm not with them that I realize how much I miss them, it's when I'm with them, I realize how much I miss them. Does that make sense? In that moment, you go, wow, man, I need to be doing this more often. 
And I think it's a little bit of what misses in the church. We're not doing it so we don't miss it, but when we're with it, we go, man, we're missing this. So I just want to encourage you from 9.15 to 10.15, at least the month of, of January, and hopefully after that, to show up back there in the fellowship hall. We're going to have some ways of interconnecting, if you will, in the community. And uh, I promise that's what we're going to do. I was going to say something else. I won't go. This morning, though, I wanted to continue our theme this morning in prayer. And one of the challenges when you talk about prayer is somebody's looking for a formula. Somebody's looking for, you know, how do I do this? And if you'd have been in first hour, you would have known. So I won't do that again. No, just kidding. But, but I appreciate sharing some of the testimonies of how people interface in their time of prayer. But you can go buy, you could go just Google it and you'll find all kinds of books. I'm sure there's thousands and thousands and thousands of books that have been written on prayer. Uh, someone's given you a formula. I say a formula I've done, like many of you have done, the acts, uh, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication or petition, however you want to say it. But confession, the C is either confession or contriteness or you're, you, you want to be broken before God. So A-C-T-S, that may be how you do it. There, there's different ways that people have gone about it. And there's, like I said, there's been books written. Probably the most notable book that for many of you is The Prayer of Jabez. Now, it was written in 2000. Many of you are here going, I have never even heard of that. But it sold millions and millions and millions of copies. And it became a... a <clears throat> It had controversy around it. Let me say this. Some thought it was more of a prosperity type prayer, a prosperity gospel. But I just want to, so that's a book. And then, then there's others from Elmer, uh, 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 Elmer Towns and different ones. I'm just saying they're E.M. Bounds. You could read about people who used to be on their knees till they wore their pant legs out because they prayed so much. There's a lot of ways you can go with this. But what I hope to do this morning is to help us just kind of think through what does Scripture say, not necessarily about prayer, even though it does, and I don't have the Scripture up there, and I apologize for this, but of Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Prayer is not about trying to get the things we want It is about God doing in us and us connecting with God and our relationship with him to get done what he wants. <laughs> now that takes on a lot of forms and a lot of different things. Prayer is not about just trying to figure out what you want and let's put it before God. And I'll talk a little bit, th- bit about that where Dallas Willard I think has a great quote captured around that. And I'll share that here in just a little bit. About three or four different things I'm going to share with you this morning. We'll see how far we get with it. I've got notes in here I can just toss at any point. So we'll see how far we get. Because there's so much. The rest of the month I'm going to be talking about community in our service. And I hope you'll be here because I believe it's critical. But today, I'm going to see how much to kind of launch us into this year around this. But I want to read for you First Chronicles, uh, and you can, hopefully it'll be up on the screen, or you can turn to it, First Chronicles 4, 9, and 10. And it is the prayer of Jabez, if that's the way to, to frame it. 
really when I began to read this, well, first off, let me say this. First Chronicles 1, 2, 3, and 4, and I think even after that, it is genealogy. I mean, it is, just go read it. It is just a lot of genealogy. And I'll be honest with you, there are times when I read genealogy and I'm just kind of like going, just, I just as a discipline to say I did it, I'll read through it as fast as I can. How many of you ever done that? Or you skip it. It's go, I have, there's nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with what I'm going to do today. So I'm just going to kind of fly through it or at least read it so I can say I did it. If you're reading the Bible through in a year, you better be doing it because it's lack of integrity if you don't, right? But here in the middle of this genealogy comes this passage of Scripture, kind of just parachuted into here, is this story, short little story about this guy. And it's this. Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, His mother had named him Jabez, saying, now get this, because I bore him in pain. Okay. And Jabez called out to the God of Israel, if you only would bless me and enlarge my territory, may your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. Bruce Wilkinson wrote a book on that. And it is blessed, like I said, millions around the world, maybe confused another million, I don't know, <laughs> along the way. But he took that passage of scripture that is so kind of hidden in the middle of this genealogy and wrote a book. It becomes, if you're not careful, a formula. And we gotta be always careful when we start praying to God in formulas. But sometimes we need a place to start. Sometimes we need a place to go, okay, what did, this is a prayer of a man named Jabez who, who did not start out well because his mom named him, I bore you in pain. And it says he was raised above his brothers. He was honorable. And this was his prayer. If only you would bless me and enlarge my territory. May your hand be with me and keep me from harm or evil. And as I broke this, I broke this down into four, and you can write it down if you want to. I don't have it up on the screen because it's broken down in the passage of Scripture. You might want to write the Scripture down, and you can break it down that way. But this is one way you could pray. Oh, Lord, that you would bless me indeed. What if you began to pray, God, that you would grant me nothing more but nothing less than what you have for me? I believe so many of us pray for more but live so far below because we're praying for the wrong thing. We're praying for more of certain things, but we're living so below our potential. What if we begin to pray, Lord, Whatever you have for me, that's what I want. But God, I leave it entirely up to you how you decide to bless me. But bless me. 
I'm asking you, Lord, to impart supernatural favor on my life. And again, it gets a little tricky here. It gets a little, some people can start claiming things here that, that they gotta be careful with, but I love what Mark Batterson says in The Circle Maker. I think we may have that quote on the screen. He said, the longer I live, the more I crave the favor of God. He said, the greatest moments in, my, in, in life are the moments when God intervenes on our behalf and blesses us way beyond what we expect or deserve. It's humble reminder of his sovereignty. God's favor enables you to stand before those you would naturally stand in opposition to, but they supernaturally step aside, and I love this, or stand beside you. That you have such the favor of God that people would normally would oppose you literally will now stand beside you because of God's anointing supernatural favor on your life. That's pretty powerful. Have you been praying for God's favor? God bless me. Oh, but not for what I need. Not so I can just say, no. Supernaturally for your glory. And he goes on to say, oh, that you would enlarge my territory. Lord, give me more influence. Lord, give me more responsibility. How many times have you prayed that lately? You've been praying, Lord, take something away. You begin to see in your mind that, Lord, we are here, we're left here on a mission to seek the salvation of all mankind, to seek the healing and the blessings for nations, for country, for our country, for families that you're in connection with, for your community. What if, just what if you begin to pray, Lord, enlarge my territory? The reason why some of us don't want to pray is because of what I just said, because we don't want the responsibility for it. Matter of fact, we don't even want to pray that because we don't even want to think the fact that we might even be responsible for that. That God has put you where he has put you to be an influencer of great favor in God's hand upon you to expand your territory, to take your tent and move the pegs out. This whole church, why, partly why we're here, hopefully it's God's plan, ultimately, obviously, but our, 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 the thing, that the drum that we have beaten here is the term influence. To raise up influencers for spiritual transformation, to be salt and light where you're already engaged and influential, that God begins to expand your tent pegs, expand your territory where he's already planted you. Oh, that your hand would be on me. Back to favor. But the word, the term hand of the Lord, it is a biblical term for God's power and presence in your life. Well, you're totally dependent on him, but his hand is upon you. Then he goes on to say, or this prayer does, that you would keep me from evil. Now we'll get a little bit, because I'm gonna mention the Lord's Prayer that Jesus taught the disciples in a little bit, and this has a lot of connection. 
Let me say this about the first three things we just prayed here. If you begin to pray those, and you begin to live into that, you'll have more battles and more attacks. I'm not saying going around looking for a demon behind every bush. That's not what I'm saying to you today. I'm just saying if you're anointed of God and God is using you in a mighty way, you need to expect battles. I heard this years ago, said if I haven't seen the devil today, it's probably because you're going the same direction he is. Okay. I thought it was good then. Maybe it's not so good now. It's more of an 80s or 90s. Lord, make me familiar, if we were reading Ephesians chapter 6, Lord, make me familiar with the devil's schemes. Let me see it coming. Make me aware. Give me eyes to see what I can't, normally can't, can see because you're supernaturally giving me eyes to see. We even have to confess that we've made ourselves way smarter than we think we are. We think we can get away with certain things. We know there are certain things that we need to begin to temper. We need to step away from or we need to slow down. It could even be from being on uh, technology to whatever. We know there's too many temptations there, but I'm smarter than that. That's what we tell ourselves. Oh, I would never be deceived by that. Lord, keep me from temptations where I put all my emotions, everything's about emotion, or my needs above everything else, above your will. Lord, keep me from having a critical spirit on a continuous basis. Lord, I know there's times that we all get down and we have to critique things, but Lord, there's a difference there. Lord, I know I know in my heart than that and then having just a critical spirit. Help me, Lord, to not go there. So the prayer of Jabez, do with it what you wish, but it is there. It's in Scripture. Then there's these other prayers that we can pray that I find in Scripture. And they're kind of uh, prayers that can wreak havoc in your life if you're not careful. How many need more havoc in their life? Well, there's none of you, right? Everybody thinks you're probably, you're probably tapped out on havoc. But if you begin to pray some of these prayers that I'm going to share with you here, here's the wrench that God may throw into your life. Is it your planned future? Yeah, he may take you down unexpected paths that you never even thought about because you begin to pray some of these things. They're risky prayers. But there are prayers that I believe we've got to begin to pray if we want to be living in the transformative life that Christ has for us. One like this. You can write it down if you want to. Lord, stretch me. I was reading again as I was preparing for this, and it always kind of blows my mind in Acts chapter 4, 24 through 30. 
And, it's, and what has happened here is, is that in Acts chapter 3, if you know, uh, Peter and John have healed a crippled man, and the very thing that should happen if you physically heal a crippled man is you get thrown in jail. That's what should happen, right? <laughs> well, anyway, that's what happened. <laughs> that's not what should happen, but that's what d- did happen. So they get thrown in jail. So here they are. They're in jail, and the church at this point, the early church is praying for them. And I love this prayer. When they heard this, they got out and said, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do nations rage and the pilots, the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your prayer, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. And now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants. In other words, Lord, stretch us to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch us, Lord. One of the most inspiring passages of Scripture to me is that, I mean, if I'm in their situation going, Lord, get me out of this mess. Lord, don't let them know where we are. See, a lot of us never really know how much we would stand up. We don't know. We've never been there for the most part. We've never been in those situations where we'd even know how we would react for sure. We think we know. Well, we don't know for sure, but I would hope I could respond like the church in Acts 4 is, Lord, give me boldness. Consider their threats and let me rise to the occasion. Don't let me shrink back. Don't let me run. Lord, stretch me. For some of you, last January... The first month we did the blessed life, some of you stepped out and was stretched in your finances. You said, Lord, stretch me. And a tremendous blessing, I don't, from what I have heard for many of you, not only for you, but also for our church. Some of you need to be stretched and just saying, no, Lord, I'm no longer going to settle. I'm no longer going to settle where I am right now. I'm just not going to. What if today, as a whole church, we decided we were not going to settle? What would that look like? What if we began to seek the change that was necessary? What if we began to cry out to the Lord, I don't want to settle anymore. I want you to do in my life what is necessary. Lord, stretch me. Stretch me. Another one is, Lord, search me and lead me. Psalm 139 23, 24 said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me and lead me in the way everlasting.
Lord, expose whatever secrets or secret sins or anything that is within me that is contaminating my relationship with you. And expose it for the purpose of not embarrassment or shame, but expose it for surrender. Call it out, Lord. I don't want, what if you prayed, Lord, I don't want anything in my life that is a deterrent to my full devotion to you. Nothing. Lord, lead me. This, much like Lord, stretch me, gives us no relief from danger. (laughs) Should probably have a warning light attached to it. No doubt the Lord leads you every day in small ways. I mean, we can look for ways to help people. We can look for promptings from the Holy Spirit. We can look for ways to take, give, if we have enough margin in our lives, Lord, I think in order for me to be led, well, I gotta have enough space in my life to be able to respond when you tell me to respond. So many of us have our lives so entangled and so, we, even if, we, how many times have you felt like at least that the Lord was prompting you? The Holy Spirit was prompting you to do something, to say something, to step in, to give, whatever it is, but you just can't. The first place the Lord may lead some of you is to build margin. Where he really can move you when he needs to. Sometimes when you say, Lord, lead me, There are small ways, but sometimes there are huge things that change the trajectory of not only your life, but those people connected to you and maybe others you don't even know at the time. I've shared with you many times here, me being in that, uh, Jan and I being at the uh, North, uh, being in Little Rock Children's Hospital, Arkansas Children's Hospital in Little Rock, Sydney, our oldest daughter, being 14 months old, not knowing whether she had an aneurysm or would even live. And I had been praying. I've been a Christian at that time eight months or so, a little less probably. And I just was praying, Lord, heal her. I'll do whatever. You take, do whatever you want to with me. Just heal her. Sitting in that little waiting room or that small, yeah, the the waiting room there. And I walked down the hallway and I just prayed, Lord, this is a few days into this. And I, I said, Lord, I've changed my mind. I know I said if you'd you'd heal Sydney, I'd do whatever you ask. But Lord, I've changed my mind whether you heal her or not. I'm willing to do whatever you ask. Just lead me. Just let me know. And two weeks later, I was called to preach, which many of you know was the craziest thing I'd ever even thought about in my life. So it's dangerous and he doesn't just change in small ways, which it can. He can change in, Lord, lead me. When was the last time you prayed that, Lord, just lead me? If we know there's a world around us that needs this message, Lord, lead me. Lord, give me great eyesight to see what you need me to see each day. Lord, lead me. 
And I think for some of us many times even sharing the gospel or sharing who Christ is in our life, we think the responsibility is on us. Let me give you a, a little bit of a hint right here when you get nervous and you start kind of freaking out and going, let me say, you've never saved anybody and you never will. It's only by the spirit drawing that it'll be saved. That's first off, so the, the weight's off of you. But you are supposed to be an instrument, a conduit. What you are to do is not bring Jesus anywhere. You're just supposed to point out the God who has loved them and Jesus who has loved them all along. He's been chasing after me. We sang that song, Running After You. I believe that. I know some people say it's not theologically sound. I don't know. Experientially, it's sound. How many of you have ever had you know God's been chasing after you? And he never stopped. Uh, again, I know some people go, uh, I'm just saying. Lord, I surrender. Search me. Stretch me. Lead me. Lord, I surrender. Psalm 51 is one of the most famous psalms in Scripture because it's written after one of the most traumatic, grievous, uh, grievous transgressions recorded by one of God's anointed, which is David, King David, where he committed adultery with Bathsheba, murdered her husband in the process, and he comes to the point where he realizes sacrifices and everything else are not going to work. But he knew what would, and he pins this, and it is a prayer of surrender. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. See, he knew, he called it. Let me tell you this, one of the things you can do in prayer, which I love this right here, is call on God's promises. Just have, a, it's almost like you're holding God accountable for what he's already said. I know you've got to be at this little dangerous place to kind of walk sometimes, but you're just calling out the promises. That's the reason why knowing the word and knowing the promises are so critical because you can call them out. You can stand on them. <clears throat> but David knew it. He knew God's love was unfailing. According to your, he knew God's compassion was great. According to your great compassion, Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from sin. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Anybody ever felt that way? Under the weight of God? Not literally, but create. Here's what I love. He didn't just ask for forgiveness. Because see, forgiveness alone is a slippery slope. Because I may ask for forgiveness today and be right back there doing it tomorrow. I may ask for forgiveness today and be doing it two hours from now. Which I understand, we need to ask for forgiveness. But this is what David did, which is what was critical. Create in me a pure heart. Oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit. Let, let me stand, let me begin to walk. Steadfast spirit within me. Restore in me the joy of your salvation, not mine, yours, and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. You do not delight in sacrifice or I would be bringing it. You do not play, take pleasures in burnt offerings. 
My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. I've heard people say, if it's not broke, don't, if it's not broke, don't fix it. My deal is if it's not broke, break it. That's the only one that he uses. Those who are broken and contrite, and he builds us up. He makes us that mosaic. But he can. And we know his promises. He will. Lord, stretch me. Lord, search me. Lord, lead me. Lord, I surrender. And I don't think he would do justice today if I walked out of here or we walked out of here. Mentioning one other prayer that you've heard and that ball teams say it. Most of the guys and gals who pray it, most of them don't even know what they're saying. The Lord's Prayer. You've said it. Many of you have at least. And I preached a whole series on it three or four years ago, so I'm not going to do that in this next 10 minutes, but. The disciples in Matthew chapter 6 asked, which is recorded and also in Luke, disciples asked Jesus, did the Lord teach us to pray? Or said, the Lord teach us to pray. And this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, our sins, our transgressions, however you, whatever your interpretation is, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, and some, ha- some have and some don't. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. N.T. Wright says this, about the Lord's Prayer. This God is both intimately present within the world and utterly beyond, other and different from it. He is present to celebrate with his people and to grieve with them, to give them his rich blessing, to rescue them from all ills because he is also sovereign from heaven and earth and sea and dry land, all the powers of this world and even over the urgings of the human heart. The Lord's prayer is an invitation to know this God and to share in his innermost life. As we close, I just want to give you a few little thoughts around the Lord's prayer. And again, I did a whole sermon series and broke this down. So this is going to be quick. So hopefully it will be helpful to you. This may be the one you note and go, I'm going to start repeating this over the month of this new month of the decade. I'm going to say the Lord's Prayer every day, and I'm going to slow down, and I'm going to think about it. I may do the prayer of Jabez, and I'm going to slow down, and I'm going to think about it. Or I may do stretch me, search me, lead me, surrender. Or you may do some variation of something else. But I don't think we can go wrong with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, what I love about this is this invitation 
Jesus is saying, join with me, our Father, our, our, this intimacy of a Father. For some of you, that picture doesn't play out well. I get that. But Jesus is implying to us an intimacy and love that's a personal relationship. It should cause us and I hope I'm that way with my children and my grandkids, but it should cause us to want to draw near our Father, to want to pull in alongside our Father. Hallowed, hallowed, holy is your name. Set apart is your name. There's no other name that lines up up there. There's no other name that rises up to that. Your name is set apart, but what I love about this Hallowed be thy name. When we say that, when you say it, it should cause you to stop. There is no other. There is nothing else that compares. And as you pause there, begin to look at your relationship because he's already invited us in, but to pause there a moment and go, how could I not give everything for the one who has been set apart, who there is no comparison. There is nobody else sitting beside him. And what you're doing is you're acknowledging in, the, in those words and you're declaring his sacredness and his holiness. But here's something I, I want to make sure you hear me this morning. And don't miss this. Because we are his children, Whatever he touches, his holiness is transferred to it. It's connected to it. You're sacred. You should be set apart. But get this. Now, I want you to maybe read it this way. When we say, hallowed be thy name, we're saying, Father, your reputation and your name is at stake in me today. Because I claim you. You say it again. When I pray, hallowed be your name, I am saying today, Lord, this day that you have given me to be alive in this, at this time and place, today your reputation is at stake in how I live today. That should cause you to pause. Well, it's just not my reputation. It's his reputation at stake. This sacred, holy reputation is at stake in how I live this life out. Holy is your name. And what I love about, and I, again, I know we gotta go. God's names I wish I had time to break this down for you today. God has so many names underneath Father because it tells us a little bit about his character. Elohim, the mighty creator. I'm just going to list them off here. Elohim, the mighty creator, the preserver and keeper of his covenant. Some of you need to know Elohim. He is the, he is the creator of my life and the creator of everything, and he keeps his promises. 
That's the reason why in Acts 4, they can pray that, right? That's the reason why they can do it. They know he's sovereign. They know that no evil man is going to deter God's plan. God's plan is not in jeopardy. El Shaddai, almighty God. I got to tell this real quick, and I know I shouldn't. When I first got saved in 1987, there was a song, Amy Grant. Amy Grant sang a song called El Shaddai. You know what I thought it all, it was saying for like the first 20 times I heard it? Serve God or El Shaddai. <laughs> I had no idea what Hebrew was. El Shaddai, man. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> Sorry. Whatever has to motivate you, right? It motivates you. Anyway, <laughs> he is the bestower of power. He is the bestower of gifts. He is the bestower of blessing, El Shaddai. Jehovah, the self-existent one. I love that. The self-existent one. Nobody created him. The self-existent one. Think about that. Just kind of process it around in your mind for a second. The self-existent one. And the chief... Meaning of Jehovah is to become known. God reveals himself through everything. I'm not that picture I showed you earlier. He is revealing himself. He reveals himself in creation. He reveals himself in you and I. He reveals himself. He wants to reveal himself. Jehovah Roe. The Lord is my shepherd. But the extended translations, especially in Psalm 23, which most many of you would know, means friend or companion. He is my friend. He is my companion. I want to read Psalm 23 real quick. And again, I know we're running along. So the Lord is my shepherd. But, but if you substitute it right there, the Lord is my friend and companion. I shall not want. In want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He restores my soul. Anybody need that? He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, not yours, not anybody else's, not renovation, not Nazarene church, his sake, and only his sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff and your staff, they comfort me. I love this. You prepare a table. Where? before me in the presence of my enemies, but I don't fear anything. Please, I can pray the prayer in Acts 4. Lord, stretch me. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I love what Dallas Willard says about prayer. So accordingly, I believe the most adequate description of prayer is simply talking to God about what we're doing together. That immediately focuses the activity of what we are, but at the same time drives the egotism out of it. Requests will naturally be made in the course of this conversational walk. Prayer is a matter of explicitly sharing with God my concerns about what he too is concerned about in my life. And of course, he is concerned about my concerns, and in particular, that my concerns should coincide with his. 
This is our walk together. Out of it, I pray. You will be done. Give us this day. Everything belongs to him. Forgive us our sin. You, and until you know you're forgiven and secure in him, you won't forgive others. That's the reason why it's in that order. Some of you need to be forgiving others. And lead us not into temptation. We've already talked about that in the prayer of Jabez. But I believe what Jesus is saying here, just wake up and know that you're on a larger stage. There's a much more going on here than you can imagine. Just get your head up. And temptation, I love what Martin Luther says about temptation. Temptation is not as much the penalty of mankind as it is the glory of manhood. Man, yeah, manhood. It is that by which a man is made an athlete of God. God wants you strong in him, and temptations and trials help you get there. Amen? I want to be as strong as he needs me to be. Are you battle ready? There is a fear that the church in America is not. But I believe we should be raising up an army as Eric McManus would say that and it's time for especially young people and adults who are across the board to get up and grab their sword and to grab their shield and to grab their spear and get out there in the fight and quit hiding behind those who've had to fight it for you and get up and get out there there is a world who needs this message there's a world that needs this Christ that we keep talking about some of you in here may need him right now You've, you've messed around with it a lot You've played around the edges. But maybe just this morning, the first thing you need to do is I surrender. You don't need to do anything else except I surrender to who you say you are and I accept you into my life as Lord and Savior. That's the first place. Wouldn't that be a great way to start 2020? That'd be a great... When's the best way to plant, best day to plant a tree? 10 years ago. Second best day to plant a tree? Today. It's always today. Today is the day of salvation. Would you stand? I asked you to sign them to come as we close. Thank you for being patient with me. I didn't really take anything out, so that's why it went a little longer. Okay. There's all kinds of ways to pray. Find your way. It is about us connecting to the creator of the universe in an intimate, and it is Jesus encouraging us for this intimacy and for his will to be done in our lives. And when that happens, it's always best for us, whatever that is. Josiah just plays right now, and, and I want to ask you to bow your heads just for this moment. And normally I don't do it this way, and I know we've run a little long, but man, what a great way to start this year out. If, if today is the day of salvation for you, 
He makes all things new. He is really the only one that makes all things new. No matter how many new things we get, it's old by the time we drive it off the lot. But he makes all things new. Every day. But he has come that we may have life and live it abundantly. The word says, we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. We shall be saved. So with your head bowed today, if today is that day of salvation, you say, I need to pray a prayer. And you don't even have to do that. Just say, I believe that you are who you say you are, Jesus. Would you raise your hand if that's you this morning? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let me pray. Lord, this day, this first Sunday of this decade, your word tells us it's like a mist. It'll be here today, going tomorrow. But Lord, what we do today is eternal. What we do today matters. Everybody in this room in here matters. What they do matters. No matter what they've done up to this point, and maybe as wrecked as it looks, what they do today and this day forward matters. And Lord, I pray for those who have raised their hands right now that they want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt Not only the fact that they would go to heaven someday, and Lord, that is a great byproduct, but you give us life now. Lord, you want to have a relationship with us, and Lord, I pray, maybe some didn't even raise their hand today, but right now, Lord, that they would confess with their mouth that they are separated from you. In their minds, they would know that they're separated from you And that you are the only way to salvation. You are the only way to the hope. Lord, and it's strange because we know in the middle of all that, it's almost like something tips. One moment we're not, and one moment there's all of a sudden this world that's around us. My Lord, I just pray today that for those that, as again, your word says, to confess their mouth and believe in their heart, that you are who you say you are. You're raised from the dead. You're resurrected. You are the life. They shall be saved. We pray this over them right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray over these next many weeks as we'll be going across community inside of, our, of this room here with the folks that are here. Lord, I pray that as we pray together, Lord, we believe in this church and divine healing. Lord, we believe in medical science, and we don't, we don't discourage it. We believe you bless all that. Well, Lord, we believe for healing. We believe, Lord, you can answer. You can heal relationships. Lord, we, we believe that you can take hopes that have been crushed, and out of the ashes they rise up and do. But, Lord, the greatest thing we believe here today is that you can take a life that was lost and transform it into something new. For your glory. 
Lord, again, thank you for this time. Thank you for this new year. Thank you for what's happened on this campus already today. Thank you for our folks that are in the room. Bless them, Lord. Bless them. As they hunger and after you. We pray this in your name, Jesus.